We welcome you this morning to our church service and to our podcast. This morning, I want to speak on a tale of two Fridays, reading from Isaiah 30 and 15. For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said this, in returning to me and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence will be your strength. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that awesome? And it's incredible that God is offering, before we pray, strength and confidence and rest to the listener. But the next line in the same verse, it's almost as if you can feel his pain. You can feel his concern because the next line in that very verse says, but you would have none of it. You would not have, and he's not speaking here of salvation. He's speaking to the saved. I'm offering you strength and rest, but you would have none of it. And that kind of hangs like verses often hang right that in the air and you just feel a little thud. But then down in verse 18 or 18, right beneath it, he says this. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion for the Lord, he is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for him. Can you say amen? Father, we welcome your presence to this room. Come, Holy Spirit, speak into the ears of your people, even what I do not say. Come and bring forth this word that you have blessed me in its preparation time. Speak into the hearts of sons and daughters of God. Encourage them today. Let all of us leave changed in Christ's name. And everyone said amen this is the story this is the tale of two fridays one of my favorite holidays is coming up it's thanksgiving don't you love it you know it's without the pressure of christmas is without the gift giving and the hustle and bustle and i'm 62 so for you that don't know how us dinosaurs live before you came to planet earth let me tell you what thanksgiving used to look like thanksgiving everything was shut down nothing was open in fact, if you were going to drive, you had to really think through, was there a gas station? And we're not talking about Bucky's or Stuckey's. We're talking about a gas station that you might have gotten peanuts and a Coke and your gas. So you had to really think about what you were doing on Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving growing up looked like this. You woke up and you smelled turkey and dressing. Come on, somebody. Well, green beans and corn, whatever your favorite desserts. And the house just filled with the aroma of the best cooks in the land, cooking it right in your house. You smelled that. You're hungry. Then family came and gathered, extended family either, or you went to your grandmother's, however that looked. And you loved that, and you would eat, and you would eat till you couldn't eat anymore. If you're my family, you'd say what you were thankful for. Maybe somebody would break out in song because I've lived in a kind of a musical family. It's just beautiful, and you love that. And sometimes the cousins would go out and play basketball. The girls would watch some movie and take a nap. And then you'd all convene for the leftovers. Can I get an amen? Big old turkey sandwich. Big old delicious chips. And you'd eat again, and finally you'd just all stay up late, maybe play games, and you'd pass out. It was wonderful. There was another factor about holidays. If you grew up in the time period that I did or didn't, maybe this will ring true to you. There was the adult table and the kids' table. And, you know, the kids' table was fun until it wasn't. <laughs> you would sit at the kids' table and you would dream of someday you'd be promoted to sit with the adults. 
You dreamed what that ceremonial walk may look like when you arrive there to sit at the adult table. You dreamed of what they're doing while you sit with your cousins and uh, listen to them argue back and forth. And this was good until it wasn't until you're 16 and you're held hostage with your two-year-old cousin at the kids' table. Come on, someone. And you're like, set me free, Jesus. Let my people go. Until that day, you walked and sat with the adult table, and that was fun until it wasn't. Until the drama at the adult table was not what you envisioned. Aunt Betty was letting Uncle Bob have it right there in the open. Cousin Sally was telling grandmother how she really thought about her. And then they would start politics, and they'd get so mad at each other, people might be, be, uh, have a tendency to want to throw food, and you're thinking the kids' table wasn't so bad. Maybe picking up sticks with my two-year-old cousin wasn't so bad. Maybe circling the gifts that we wanted in the Sears catalog. <laughs> Come on now. Because that's what you did, people. Big catalog came, you ran out the mailbox, you got it, and you circled everything to God's glory. That mom and dad or Santa Claus, whatever your belief is, would bring to you. Yeah, that's Thanksgiving. But about the early 2000s, things changed in our country. The tradition was quickly changing on this tale of two Fridays that I'm sharing with you today. Instead of people going on and on and eating and singing and dancing and doing all of this, people began to take advantage of the Black Friday sales. This is the tale of two Fridays. In 2000, the stores would begin to open at 4 and 5. I don't think they ever closed now. Are you with me? 6 o'clock. And they would put all these deals out there on, on flat screen TVs, digital cameras, playstations electronics and if you got there early enough to the black friday sale you could get all the popular items at a discounted rate it's only a certain number of hours and it sounds great until it wasn't and it created pandemonium everybody would talk about these deals it became problematic pandemonium through through these stores caused more and more of problems each and every year Soon, tragedies began to emerge. And one of the worst tragedies was in Long Island, New York, the day after Thanksgiving, 2008, at a Walmart. You should have known it happened at a Walmart. Get get amen. The store had greatly advertised all these great discounted rates, and the results was huge crowds staying outside for hours just to get in, to get Bobby that train and get that TV and save some money. The workers would literally hold the doors outside and form a line to keep more chaos from forming as they waited all night to get in. When the doors finally opened, the crowds rushed in and began to grab and everything off the shelves and throw them into their carts. On this very cold and bitter New York morning, something terrible happened. As the doors opened, the workers were trying to hold the doors and one worker who was trying to hold the door open when they made a way he stumbled and he fell and no one even noticed he began to be trampled he began customers forced their way in they walked on him and trampled on him until another co-worker finally saw it but couldn't get through the crowd on black friday this is the tale of two fridays couldn't get through the crowd to help him trying to attend to their co-worker who now was unconscious on the floor they tried to get medical attention 
but it was Black Friday and the crowds were out of control. They were literally trying to manage both a crowd and a crisis at the same time. And the crisis turned into a tragedy and the coworker died. The other coworkers got on the intercom and they said, please, please customers, please leave the store. Something has happened, something terrible has happened, but no response. They just kept shopping. They just kept pushing. They just kept shoving. Still trying to gain control, the coworkers finally looked at one another and said, what do we have to lose? Let's tell them that someone has died. So on the intercom, one of the coworkers said, please customers, please leave this store. Someone has died. Someone has died. Later in a news interview in Long Island, New York, an interviewer said to one of the coworkers, what were they like? He said, they were like savages. He said, what did they do after you said someone has died? And the coworker looked straight into the camera and he said, they just kept shopping. The thing about Black Friday in this tale of two Fridays is it's driven by scarcity. Scarcity is a word that means insufficient shortage of supply. It drives by the idea that there's not enough of anything for all of us. Therefore, we are required to scratch, kick, fight, push, and do whatever we have to do to get what we want. That there's not enough. Black Friday is fueled by scarcity, and scarcity can be used to corrupt us so easily. Church family, this is the reality of Jesus Christ. We have been consumed with shopping the aisles of the world, but on Calvary's cross, there was a declaration. It was not on an intercom, but it announced to all of the four corners of the universe, all over the world, that someone has died. Someone has paid a price. Someone has died so that we might live. There is no scarcity of peace today because of the Friday he gave his blood. There is no scarcity today of the joy we need because he gave his life. There is no scarcity today of the hope that we need because he gave his life. Someone died on Good Friday and there is no scarcity in the kingdom of God. Someone has paid a price. But yet sometimes we just keep shopping on the aisles of the world. There's no scarcity because he gave his life. There's no scarcity in salvation. We are called the whosoever church. From the beginning of time we were, but at my husband's home going, I turned, I think it was Brit. I turned to him and I say, we are the whosoever. And it just stuck. We are the tribe of the whosoever. It would have been our name, but we had never coined it like that. And that's to God's glory, not mine. Trust me. But this is the situation in this tale of two Fridays. Through 33 years, I have sat with people where they don't want to tell me the times that something has happened in their life. They don't want to number it. And you can see it's a problem. They don't want to say how many times they've done this or how many times they've done that. And I've learned that the enemy keeps whatever's in dark, he keeps in shame. But what you bring out in light, there is healing again. And would always say, just say the number well, I've relapsed 18 times and I'm on my 19th. I've been in and out of church 23 times. Now I'm at 24. I have had an abortion five times. 
I've tried to start over 10 times. I've made mistakes 413 times. I've broken promises for 767 times. You know what? The redeeming thing that this church will say today and on into our future as the whosoever's come, there's only one number we're concerned with. There's only one number that we speak around here, and it is 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you want to speak a number, speak 316. We don't care how many times you've been convicted, evicted, put out or put in. All we care is that God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that we may have life. We are the whosoever and our number is 316. God is daily looking for ways to redeem you and I. God has a way of redeeming time. And you were in his hands during every one of those times. It's not too late for anything to be redeemed. There is no scarcity of salvation and redemption because of Good Friday. Have you ever seen one of those car dealership commercials? And it says anyone can buy a car here until you find out that's not you. Anyone can get a car here. Doesn't matter how much debt you have, but there is a asterisk at the bottom. If you look closely, WAC with approved credit. This is what they really mean by that. What they really mean is anyone who meets the qualifications. Anyone who makes it through the approval process. When we read the invitation of Jesus from Good Friday, which is not Good Friday, this came to me because there's two Fridays being spoke about. We read the invitation of come to me, but we can't help but put an asterisk by that. Because people have put an asterisk by that statement. Religion has put an asterisk by that statement. It means anyone and everyone. It means whosoever. It means regardless of your economic background, regardless of how much time has passed, regardless of what has gone on, regardless of your race, regardless of your educational background, regardless whether you're female or male, whosoever means whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. But you see, you, you go into a place you've never been and they give you a name tag. I, I was at um, Pastor Brian Cutshaw's recently and they gave me a name tag and mine and Kelly Goins kept falling off. It just, it wouldn't stick. But the thing about it is literally in the world, name tags stick. The things that people call you to and you answer to. But the truest thing about you and the truest thing about me is who we are in Christ. Not our honors, not our promotions, our demotions. Not the things we've encountered, not the mistakes that we've made. The truest thing about you is not the condition of your home or the success of your kids because you can't mark the success of your kids. You don't know till you know. The truest thing about you is you are a child of the living God. Can I get an amen? The truest thing about you is not that you are divorced, that you cheated or you were cheated on. It's not that you are locked up, that you slept around, that you were addicted, evicted, or convicted. That may be facts about your past, but that's not the truest thing about you. Can I get an amen? Maybe it's who you were, but it's not who you are. From the beginning of time, this church has called out people to be who they are, not who they once were, who they can be. You are not what they said about you in high school. You are not what they said about you behind your back. You have to trust that 
You are adopted into God's family. Ephesians 2 and 19, you are a member of his family. Colossians 3, God chose you. You didn't choose him. Ephesians 4, you are called by God. Luke 9, he said, come and follow me and I will make you. He said, fishers of men, but he can make us anything he wants to make us. Can I get an amen? And in this tale of two Fridays, I'm concerned that God's hospitality, drawing us and beckoning us to come to this table of faith, that we've made, unfortunately, restricted tables and closed rooms. Rooms we put plastic on. I shared with you recently when my kids and I shared our story that there's in rooms in my parents' house, they were pastors. We grew up in parsonages. They didn't belong to us, so I understand the theory. But there was a room where only dignitaries could seek, sit. There was a room where the furniture was covered in plastic because mama didn't trust us. Come on, somebody. And boy, as a child, you'd peer into that room and you'd think, someday I'm going to be a dignitary. <laughs> someday I'm going to be invited into the room that people don't get to go into. But the unfortunate thing is, in faith, we build these kind of rooms, restricted rooms, closed rooms. You see, there's no scarcity of the understanding of God. Closed rooms of unbelief and restricted tables is not what God wants. The church has to be careful that we invite people into rooms of doubt and unbelief. Can I get an amen? Here's the, oh, no, I'm a believer. If you get unbelief, you better hide it. You better not tell anybody because a good Christian doesn't have unbelief. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh, Chuck. A good Christian doesn't have any doubt. But you know what? Chuck will tell you and another, Tina, another atheist, former atheist will tell you, atheists don't have doubt because they don't have faith. When you're doubting, it means you still have faith. You are wrestling things because you have faith. An atheist never says, I'm struggling with my faith today. Because <laughs> they ain't got none. But we say to people, you know, don't, don't go in those rooms. Oh, no, you're a child of God. Boop, 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 boop. Fake it till you make it. I hate that statement. It's a cute tweet. Get you some follows, but it is antithetical to the authenticity, authenticity of who Jesus is. He said, if anyone comes to me, he must come in spirit and truth. Bring your truth to Jesus because he can handle it. Can I get an amen? amen? He sees your doubt anyway. He sees my unbelief. And in this great hospitality, we keep people out of these rooms where they can talk about such as this. In the New Testament, there's a, in the book of Mark, there was a man. And I want you to feel his pain just for a moment. The Bible says that his son was possessed by demons. The Bible said that the demons would throw him into the fire. I want you to feel the heart of that father for a moment. I want you to feel his pain, his helplessness. And Jesus says to him, do you believe? And the father said two different things, which proves there is room to believe and struggle with unbelief and still follow Jesus. There is room to doubt and have unbelief and to struggle with him. The father, what he was saying in my vernacular, if I can, I've seen some stuff, Jesus. If I can be real with you because you are a real God, some stuff I've seen my boy go through, I don't know how to make sense of it. Anybody ever gone through some things you didn't know how to make sense of? Should be every hand in the house. 
Like he was saying, I have doubts, but I've got questions. There's a level of frustration seeing my boy go through this while I watch other boys not go through it. There's a level of depression while I watch other boys go to the house of God and worship, but my boy is thrown into the fire by demons. And Jesus, I know you are who you say you are, but I want to tell you, I believe, but I'm asking you to please help me with my unbelief. You see, many things we can't make sense of. Brothers and sisters, stuff happened in the moment. You can't put a scripture on it. Things happen, you can't put a psalm on it. The first tragedy we had at this church, Perry was in revival here, Gulf War. And in weeks of revival, the war was going on. It was just a crazy prophetic time in the early years. And one of our beloved men, uh, Rick Shelton, his, he managed Lowe's and his wife worked in Chattanooga and she was driving home one night. She came every night. She was driving home during the day to get home to go to the service and she fell asleep on the interstate from Chattanooga to Cleveland and she crossed the interstate and she was hit dead. In the car that night as my husband and I and uh, Jay Jethro, another precious member of this church in the past, were driving over there. I had been raised by bishops over pastor. My daddy was pastors over pastors all over the world. My husband had been raised by a pastor who pastored the same people for 38 years. He knew what it was like to be in the trenches. And I said to him, Pastor David, what are we going to say? What are we going to say? I was so young. I was like 30. What, what are we going to say? What reason are we going to give that this happened? And my husband said, baby, we're not giving any reason. We're not speaking any theology. We're going to go in there and we're going to cry. We're going to scream. We're going to make them food. We're going to be with them every day in and out because we don't have a theological answer to this. And I want to say they did make it through and don't ever underestimate. You don't have the answers, but you do have a presence. You don't have the answers, but you do have a note of encouragement. You don't have the answers, but you do have a smile. You don't have the answers. You think you need a doctor of theology? I don't have a doctor of theology but I've been in the pit with the devil I've been in the pit with heartbreak and I know how to help someone by merely being in their presence amen give God a hand clap of praise and what the man is saying help my unbelief how do I process this God says process it with me you see brothers and sisters this is going to be a statement you could easily overlook please don't if you're going to wrestle with God wrestle with God God says, if you've got doubts about me, talk to me about your doubts. Don't leave me and go talk to people who are bitter against me. Don't go talk to people who can't get their, their thoughts right. Reach them, help them. But when you're going to wrestle with God, wrestle with some people who will sit with you in a room covered by plastic. People of faith who will sit with you. And yes, they'll try to help you through it. They'll listen to you, however many numbers you give, however deep your dark secrets are. And this is the thing. They will love you. But the greatest thing, when you walk out of that room, they're going to pray for you like you've never heard anybody pray for you they're going to wake up at 4 a.m praying for your doubts and your struggles we go to people for help who cannot resolve their theories we need to go to God and wrestle with God can I get an amen in this room you see Eve in the garden she questioned God's goodness but that wasn't the bad thing it was who she was talking to while she was questioning his goodness she was talking to a snake 
God was right there. God was right there. He was right there. When you have questions, ask him, well, Pastor Rhonda, he doesn't. That's why we need flesh and blood helping. But he doesn't answer immediately. But he will. He will. He says, if you're going to struggle, struggle with me. Bring your unbelief. I, know, I don't know if growing up, I wasn't great at math. Can I get a witness? I mean, I wanted to take the book of numbers at Lee just so I didn't have to take math. Come on, somebody. But I wasn't good. And, and, and growing up, the, at, at, in the back of the math books, sometimes were all the answers. Wasn't that a glorious day when you discovered that? Ching, ching. All of a sudden, it's like your homework game went through the roof. 36, 42, 55, 22, 32, 44. I remember the first day that Happy Days premiered in 1974. We were so excited because we only had three stations, you know, and we were so excited. But mama said I had to stay in the dining room in the restricted area because my homework game was bad and the teacher done called her. Come on, somebody. And I remember hearing the music, Sunday, Monday, Happy Days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Happy Days. These days are ours. And I thought, these days aren't ours. I'm held hostile by math come on somebody but if you ever use the back of the book and you did that and you turned in your work your teacher would say can you see me this afternoon Rhonda I know I've been doing it right excited to talk to you and come in and the teacher said your homework game is through the roof you're a great teacher yeah but what I'm not seeing is your work I'm not seeing your work how you're getting to the answer I'm not seeing that. And a teacher would say, and the Lord would say to you and I, I want to see your work. I want to see your wrestling. I want to see you dealing with unbelief. I want to see you do it. Because what a teacher would say is, I'm not as concerned with the right answer as I am with seeing your work. Sometimes we think we don't want God to see us wrestle with things and help us work things out because somehow he doesn't know. He knows you don't have to have all your theology resolved. The pieces don't have to fit. Jesus says to you, come and walk with me. Come with your doubt. Come with your unbelief. Come. God doesn't just hang in the answer. He hangs in the middle of the work. He hangs while we wrestle things out because there's glory in the step. There's glory in the process. So what I'm asking you to do is to go into that restricted room that others tried to keep you out of and talk to me and talk to people you know. And they're, they'll, they may argue a little bit with you, but they're going to listen to you. But they're arguing because they have a path of knowing that God is good. And while you wrestle, they're going to pray with you. Just don't walk away from me because I am in the middle of the journey as much as I am in the answer can you give him praise can you give him praise this morning thank you Lord thank you he says follow me when you're strong follow me when you're wrong when you're up when you're down when you're confused follow me when you don't understand just follow me there's been some things in my life I have not understood this is what I've learned and some of you think even my children I've always got a scripture I've always got a praise because my life has proven to me in the smallest heartache of losing a little animal, silly, isn't it? To losing my husband, to losing people that I love. I just have to run to him. I will sit in a room with my doubt and my uncertainty and my fear 
and say, I don't understand this, Jesus. But you said to follow you when I'm confused. Follow you when I'm intimidated. Follow you when I'm fearful. Follow you and just keep following you. Because the secret is, he rejoices to see you wrestle and work out your faith. Get mad, get upset, whatever you have to do. He wants to be involved. Can you say amen? Amen. Give him a hand. Josh and Chris, if you'd... Come help me for this last part. Here's an interesting thing in the book of Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter. The children of Israel are down there, and Moses is up on the mountain. He's with God. God's writing the incredible Ten Commandments with his own hand. Whoa. Moses is like, I've never seen cursed before. This is cool. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he's writing the Ten Commandments, and it's such a, some of you got that. It's such an awesome moment. But here's the deal. The children of Israel didn't know what was going on. And what they said to Aaron was, this is taking too long. What do you reach for when it takes too long for God to do what you want him to do? And they also said, we don't know what has become of Moses. And so they built their own God. And lest we judge them too quickly, what do we do when God takes too long? What do we reach for? You see, Israel doesn't have the blessing of you and I knowing and seeing what's happening. We can see what God's doing. And hang with me. I've still got the last portion of this message. We can see what's going on, and, but they can't. And in our life, we can't see. We have to learn to trust his heart and we can't see his hand. And if I'm looking at the Israelites, I'm just thinking, you're crazy. He just delivered you from all the plagues. He took you across the Red Sea. He parted waters by his own breath. He drowned the Egyptians. He did all of this and here you are. Here you are reaching for something else when he's the one who's done everything for you. I feel the break of God's heart. You know, it's awesome, and sometimes when I'm preaching in a wonderful church full of culture, a lot of African-Americans, Hispanics or whatever, and, and they get to rocking it. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. I mean, and the church just begins to rock, especially up in um, Canada where the Bahama beautiful sisters, thousands of them pack in without any instruments and use their feet. And that's a great song, but what song do we read when God, are we sing when God didn't show up when we thought he would? It's hard to put a song on that. You see, they reached for their gold to make a golden calf, but they were longing for God. Which begs to reason, what are we reaching for when really we're longing for God? What they said was, let's replace him. Let's replace him. A cheap counterfeit of the real thing. They were longing for God, but reaching for gold. And they made that golden calf while they're waiting for God, which was symbolic of that which they came out of. And this is what happens on this tale of two Fridays. We reach for what's familiar instead of he who's been faithful. We text who's familiar instead of reaching out to who's faithful. This is the thing about a golden calf. They could control it. They could push it anywhere they wanted to. But God's not going to let you and I push him anywhere he doesn't want to go. They could control it. They could push it. But God is going to go by his agenda and his timing. Can you tell the difference? 
when I walk the greenway in non-hunting season, <laughs> the deer are right under Tinsley Cross. I have my own little community. I'm, hey, hey, good morning, good morning. Older, younger, we walk at all the same time. We don't walk together because I don't walk with nobody. But uh, the beautiful thing is you'll see some walkers at the other end of the ground and go, and you know the deer are crossing. You'll see a buck come out. And what's so crazy, he'll just, I tell Pastor Tim, it's a non-hunting season. He'll just stand and look at you like, I got it. Then you'll see a beautiful doe come out, little fawns or their wobbly little legs coming behind her. Why are they crossing the greenway? Why are they crossing where so many people are walking nonstop? Because there's a stream on the other side, just right down that little thing right there where I walk. As the psalmist said, as the deer longs, pants, searches for water, so my soul longs for you. They are willing to risk us humans. They are willing to risk that to get that water. So I wonder this morning, what do you and I do when God takes too long and God goes off script and doesn't do things the way we want to? Two options, we trust God and find strength and confidence. Or do we try to do it ourselves, which brings on worry and frustration. Isaiah 55 in the Message Bible says this so beautifully. I, the Lord, will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. But see, what we do is we reach to dull our pain because I don't want to feel. Now, all these things are good things. I don't see how you're going to spin that bottle as being good, Pastor Ron. Well, if you're ever out in the wilderness and someone has to amputate your leg, you'll be thankful for whiskey. Come on, somebody. That's my theory. Those old movies, just bite on this. I'm thinking, my God, he needs something more than to bite on that. Give him a shot of whiskey. Watch too many Westerners. But the bad thing is, I don't want to feel the pain. So I reach for this when I'm longing for God. Often we don't feel, want to feel the pain. I, I help, was helping someone years ago when pharmaceutical companies were out of whack, out of line. They had this person, this man, so numbed. He said, I thought it'd be good, Pastor Arnold, but I can't feel nothing. Sometimes you can only be healed if you feel. When I went through inner healing 32 years ago, I had to face my own pain. I didn't want to, but Christ took it. I've said in this room and other rooms of this house with people as they walk through healing for damaging emotions, sometimes their screams and their cries, I thought would literally shake the foundation of this building as they felt the pain as we walked them through. But on the other side, there's healing. I don't want to dull what Jesus wants to heal. I don't want to have pain. Anybody with me? I don't want to have sorrow. Anybody with me? But I know sometimes only feeling it, Jesus can give you healing. Can you give him a hand clap of praise? I want, I want significance, but I reach for money. If I could just have more money, this would answer everything. If I just had more of this, you'll never have enough of this, never. If I could just have more of this, I reach for this, but I'm longing for esteem. I'm longing, I'm longing for approval. So I reach more and more and I'll work more and more. Seven jobs is not enough, let's do 10. I'm longing for approval, but I reach to just work and work that somehow God is gonna be more pleased with me if I never ever rest. I'm longing for God, but I reach for that. This represents your relationship with Ronald. Yeah, you've all been there. 
two off beef patties, special sauce on a sesame bun. My sister used to say, McDonald's Coke burns like no other Coke. And I said, because they put cocaine in it. <laughs> that was a long, that was a long legend. It's not true. Food is such a gift. But when I am longing for God, and, and food is comfort and food is blessed, food is blessed. But when I just keep having that relationship with Ronald or Wendy, <laughs> okay, we ain't gonna bring Chick-fil-A into this because it's the Lord's chicken. Um, <laughs> But instead of, Helen, instead of feasting on God's faithfulness, I reach, or maybe I refuse to eat to control things. I'm looking for, I'm looking for and longing for relationships and approval. So I see how many likes and follows I can get on social media. And if I don't, then I feel like my life is over when I don't even really know these people. Come on. I'm longing for God, but I'm reaching for some kind of fame when knowing that only God can do what God can do. Ultimately, we are reaching for something that can never satisfy. It might ease, it might entertain, it might dull. There might be a euphoria, but only God can do that. We reach for gold, but we need to reach for the one we are longing for. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? The peace and rest and joy and self-confidence because no one is, all people are never gonna like you ever, ever. They are never, you wait for someone to vote you in, they're not going to, but God will vote you in. He said of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I well please. And some of you need to go home. All of us need to go home and say that over ourselves. In a moment, a few moments, we're going to close this service with a song. Nothing else will do. I just want you, Jesus. You see, this morning in my closing, as I've been very careful to have a right cadence for this message, because I don't want you to miss the tale of two Fridays. Someone has died, so why do I keep shopping the aisles of the world looking for that? This is the moment when the scarcity of our world on Black Friday meets the abundance of Christ on Good Friday, and He is more than enough. 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 And He can use people and He does. And I want to be one of those people. I want to sit in rooms of doubt with people. I don't care what you're doubting about. You are welcome here. I want to sit in rooms that others have covered with plastic and say, you belong here. You see, He absolutely on the third day brought vegetation into the earth and He built the tree that he knew would be the implement of his torture and you and I have to fall at the cross the most profound tree that has ever been gifted on Good Friday Jesus paid it all give him one more hand clap of praise one more one more one more see this 
on Good Friday. I love the way Maverick sings this. Man, I was in a day of sorrow for a pet this week and forgot to tell you, Helen. But, um, and I was weeping. What's well, crazy to weep over a pet? Well, maybe you don't love pets like me. That's okay. But I was just crying because one loss goes on to another loss. And this song just randomly came up on my playlist in my car by Maverick City called Son of Suffering. Powerful. I found myself driving my neighborhood trying to get home, worshiping and crying so hard and just giving back to Jesus. It says the perfect Son of God in all His innocence came walking in the dirt, walking with you and me. He's acquainted with our grief, this man of sorrows, this man of suffering. How can it be that a God would weep and weep with me? How can it be that a God would bleed and he would bleed for me? He cries when you cry. He weeps when you weep. Hallelujah to the son of suffering. You see, praise to the one who reached for you and me. Hail to the son of suffering. His cross for your freedom. His stripes for your healing. His love is still reaching. His merciful pursuit of the sinner. He is grace to the broken. He is the embrace to those who are brokenhearted. And all the proof is in his hands. Hallelujah to the son of suffering. The God who weeps and who bleeds for me. Hallelujah to the son of suffering. King Jesus is his name. Give him the praise this morning. Give him the praise. Before we close, remember the words of Psalms 103. Stay standing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that is within me. Come on up, team, please. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord who forgives all my sins, who heals all my diseases. Bless the Lord who renews my strength and satisfies my mouth with good things. Like I said, there are many wonderful things in the earth to enjoy. But don't reach for them when you're longing for God. Wrestle it out. Wrestle it out. I wish when I was a child, um, kid, when I was young, I wish someone had told me that I could sit in a room and wrestle with my doubts and fears. I wish someone had told me it's okay to have unbelief, that you can believe and have unbelief at the same time. I wish that someone had told me that there are no restricted tables and no restricted rooms. Hallelujah. So this song, I'll pray for you, and then I'm going to call those that want to, just all to come up and worship just for a couple of moments before we leave. It says, Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've made it. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. I'm sorry I've come often with my own agenda. Jesus, nothing else will do but you. Everything is blessed after you. But don't let me reach for something when I'm really longing for you because you are everything. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Anybody love him? Just lift a hand and worship him for a moment. Just worship him for a moment. Just worship him for a moment.
Hallelujah to the son of suffering. Hallelujah to the son of suffering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person in this room, whether they come down to worship with our church body or they leave, I pray they'll know that they are loved, that they can wrestle in rooms with us, Lord. We are your whosoever church. And we want to be that, Lord. We thank you of the tell of two Fridays, one where scarcity is huge and you have to kick to get your way and get your position, or one which is Good Friday, not Black Friday, where you paid it all and there is abundance. There is no scarcity in you, Jesus. Church, I just call you down to worship. Team, if you would just begin to sing that. Just come down. You can kneel. You can stand. Just take a moment before we leave.